think this message is too harsh for your children. I mean, think about it. If your kid's 12 or 13 years old and he comes to you and says, man, mom, dad, God spoke to me and said, I got to tell Eli this, that he's going to wipe out his whole family. Oh, that's, that's just PG-13, dude. You're not there yet. Well, I can't have you hear this. God basically told Samuel, my grace has run out for these guys. I'm about to activate my judgment on them. Most parents want to protect their children from the harsher realities of life. Hannah and Elkanah would have felt the same about their son Samuel, yet they surrendered him over and trusted that God would do great things through him. God gave us that desire to protect our children from things that would harm them, and it's not a bad thing, but at times we might shelter them to a dangerous extreme. As Pastor Mark explains in today's message, God used Samuel, as young as he was, to deliver a strong message. God is not limited by our age or status. He'll use even the weakest amongst us to administer His will. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive. Now, here's the priest of the tabernacle who can't hear the word of the Lord. Does anybody find that strange? Well, he might not be talking to Eli. Well, he should be. He should be. You got to ask yourself, why is he talking to a little maybe 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old boy? Why? And we'll find out why. See, Eli had the position, but he didn't have the perception. Sometimes we as Christians, we have a position, but we don't have the perception. We may be positioned in a place to talk to somebody that God's been speaking to us to talk about, but we don't have really the perception to do it because why? Well, we haven't been doing the basic tasks. We haven't been trimming the wick. We haven't been keeping the oil filled. We haven't been tapping into the power source. How does a lamp work when it's not plugged in? I've got a battery-operated one. How does a lamp work when the batteries are dead? You put new batteries in it, or you plug it in if it's an electric lamp. So Eli had position, but he didn't have the perception. One of the marks of a faithful servant of the Lord is an attentive ear. Being a faithful servant of God is having that attentive ear. The word of the Lord is rare, is what it says. And what we're told, the task is basic responsibility, keep the wick trimmed, keep the oil filled, and the tragedy is a position without perception. That would be tragic. We see, we tend to have that happen. We come into the house of God. We don't have the spiritual eyes to see or the ears to hear that someone may be hurting or needing something. And we maybe wonder why, you know, that Brian sits on a wooden box while we're doing worship. I wonder why that guy sits on that wooden box and he just kind of hits it and it sounds like a drum. And man, I wonder, you know that little cracking sound in Eric's guitar? I wonder why that happens. And you know, I've noticed the trim around the stage is kind of cracked. I bet they should use the stairs more. And all these things, we begin to wonder and wonder 
why all these things happen and how can a drum sound like that and why isn't there paint on the walls and you know that's what happened in Eli's life he began to just sit around and look around without really having the perception he 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 what he does in chapter 1 is tells us the answer when Hannah comes she comes and he's sitting out in front of the tabernacle he has no perception because it's kind of a rare thing some woman sitting there and her lips are moving but he's he just perceives her as drunk and she's pouring her heart out, and this guy only sees what the physical. He only sees the physical and presumes Hannah is drunk. Oh, wow, that's kind of a weird thing. But he really doesn't perceive anything, that it could be spiritual, that it, she could be praying. See, Samuel had never, ever heard God's voice. Here's this little boy that we're introduced to again and again. We keep seeing him pop up. And he, he heard God's voice. He had never heard God's voice, but he hears it this time, so he had no clue as to who was calling him. And that might happen to you. Maybe you, you, you have or are being aroused out of a spiritual slumber. Maybe you're not sure of the voice. That happens sometimes as a brand new Christian or an immature Christian. You know, I know a lot of Christians that have, oh yeah, I've been saved for 10, 15, 20 years, but they're very immature in their walk. And like, I, you know, I've never really heard the voice of the Lord like it spoke to me the other day. Or I never heard. And it's like, wow, cool, man. You're starting to tune your ears in. It took you a little while, but there's nothing wrong with time. And then they start to tune in their ears. The Lord starts to speak. Or, you know, as a brand new Christian, you'll hear, or the carnal Christian, like, I have this feeling. Again, we always got to be careful with the feelings. Or I feel very strongly about. That usually happens right before a conversion. Or when you're a baby Christian, you, have, you say those things. I, I know people that right before they get saved, they're like, man, I have this really strong feeling. And they'll tell you stuff. And you're like, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty spiritual. That might be the Lord speaking to you. That might be God talking to you. Then there is the, I have no idea what I'm reading. I, I, you know, as a Christian, I've been, uh, here it is. I have no idea what I'm reading. God must have this for someone else. And that's kind of cool. That's all awesome and all right. That can happen. Jesus had a message for the woman at the well. God had given her a message, a special revelation for him to go and talk to this woman at a well. And he presented it to her tactfully and in a caring manner. It wasn't the best message. Go get your husband. But I have five. You know, I, I, I don't have a husband. You're right. You have five husbands. Whoa. That might be offensive. I mean, that's not politically correct at all. But he did it tactfully. He did it lovingly. And again, maybe the Lord for some of us is speaking to us and says, Hey, here's this message for somebody you might know. You might want to handle it carefully and take it to them. But sometimes we, we don't perceive that. We might have that position to give that message, but we don't perceive it because well, we're not doing the tasks. Or we're not praying. We're not reading. We're not doing those things that we're asked to do. And so the, the message goes by way of another messenger. You miss out on watching God work and do something phenomenal in the lives of another person. And so again, prayer that God would show you, change you, and most important, whether we gather for corporate Bible study or in our quiet times, do we have expectations? Do we have expectations? Do we have an expectation that in my quiet time, when I gather at church for corporate Bible study or prayer or whatever it is I gather for, do I have an expectation that God's going to speak? Do I have an expectation that today I'm going to hear from God? Or do I just show up and be like, man, I, you know, I really like First Samuel, and that's why I'm coming to church, just to kind of get a different bend on it. Or to see if mine's right. Or to check it out. I mean, we can't be those kind of people. 
Do we have expectations that God will speak to us or that we will hear a word from God, whether it be for us or for someone else? For us or for someone else? Now, you guys have heard me always say, the minute you think, oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear it, that might really be for you as well. So be careful with that. But it could be that you could take that message and hand it off to someone else. I've done that before. Be like, hey, man, it really spoke to my heart. And I'm driving down the road and a buddy calls and he's telling me something. I'm like, that's crazy. I was just listening to a message today. I was at church and, and our pastor said this. Really, man, that's amazing. It takes all the pressure and the heat off of me. That guy doesn't like it. Like, well, if you got a bone to pick, you can take it up between him and God. But that's just the way it is. God may have a message for you today, but do we have the ears to hear it? Are we in a position where our perception is going to receive it and be able to either pass it on or apply it to our own lives. Look at verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Stop right there. He did not know the Lord practically, just prophetically. Now what does that mean? Well, he knew God existed, but he never really experienced God. There's a lot of people out there that say, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. I believe there's a God. But yet, they had never really experienced God. They know the Lord practically. They just don't know him prophetically. And prophetically doesn't mean future telling of events. It means prophetic means the teaching, telling of God's word. So they may not know what God says. He never really experienced God. God never used, in, used uh, Samuel in rebuke or reproof in another man's life. God had not used him in that way. So usually after we mature and we grow a little, God speaks to our hearts little by little, and he had to mature enough so he could understand what God is going to say. And we read from when Samuel was about three to five years old, he was given to the temple. His mom, Hannah, takes him, dedicates him to the Lord, says, I'm going to lend him to the Lord, and takes off and goes home. So from this time, he, he, he learns about the Lord practically. And so now, after he grew, he matures a little bit. Here, here comes God, and, they, and most scholars say he's about 12 years old. He's a young kid. And remember last week we looked at what he was wearing, an ephod. That was priest clothing. That was how you would identify somebody. I mean, when you go to McDonald's, they have a uniform. And that's how you identify that they're an employee of that place. And so he had a little ephod on. And he was being trained to be a, a, a man or a person of the temple. Though he's one of the very first prophets, he, he gets to wear special clothing. And so, like Saul of Tarsus, Samuel's call and conversion happens around the same time. At least Eli was discerning enough to realize that the voice he did not hear, the one that Samuel heard, was God, and he told him how to respond. So Samuel, being very young gets this crazy message. Look at verse 11. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I've told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. Notice that the Lord stood near Samuel. Uh, before he calls him, now we see 
Back in verse, then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm sorry, in verse 10, and now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. So God's there. He stands near Samuel. This wasn't a dream or a vision, but a manifestation of the presence of the Lord. So he experiences God in such an amazing way. And again, some scholars suggest that Samuel's between 12 and 13 years of age. How many of you as parents think this message is too harsh for your children? I mean, think about it. If your kid's 12 or 13 years old and he comes to you and says, man, mom, dad, God spoke to me and said, I got to tell Eli this. That he's going to wipe out his whole family. Oh, that's, that's just PG-13, dude. You're not there yet. Well, I can't have you hear this. God basically told Samuel, my grace has run out for these guys. I'm about to activate my judgment on them. So here's what I want you to tell Eli. I've given him an instruction scroll. He knows what it says. I know he's read it. How? How do I know? Well, I'm God. I know everything. I see everything from the end to the beginning. And so I gave him a scroll on how to do business in my house, and I've told him over and over again, watch those sons of yours. And I told him time and time again, I'm going to judge his sons if he doesn't. So Samuel, this is the message I have for you. I know this sounds harsh, but I've given him chance after chance, and he won't listen So judgment's going down. And so God tells Samuel, even if he should give a sacrifice, look at that, look at there in 14, and therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. That seems kind of harsh. That's a horrible thought. Even if he should give a sacrifice for this sin, Samuel, I'm not going to accept it. That's scary. And some of us are thinking probably, dude, that's awesome. I'm so glad I am New Testament. I'm a New Testament believer because things were harsh in the Old Testament. Well, keep your finger there for a moment in 1 Samuel and turn to Galatians 6, verse 7. 6, verse 7 of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Here's, here's the thought behind this. If I gave you guys over here on this side of the room watermelon seeds, and you planted them, what do you think would grow? Okay, good. This side of the room can't answer. You got nothing, so shh. Now, you guys, your turn. If I gave you orange seeds and you planted them, what would grow? Oranges. Very good. So very basic, simple, hmm, you plant an orange seed, orange tree grows. You plant a watermelon seed, a watermelon grows. You plant evil, everybody, what grows? Evil grows. So he says, whatever you plant, you will reap. It's bad stuff. But look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. In your Bible, highlight or circle the word deceived, if you do that. And that means seduced or delusioned. Seduced or delusioned. Also, you could circle the word mocked. It means to sneer or snout or mouth and mutter. You know those people, you ever see little kids do that behind their mom? They're getting on one kid and this other kid's behind them going, 
That's kind of what that means. That's your word picture for today. That's what that means when, when to what mocked means. You're mocking at that point. And so it, it, it meant that you could care less and, and that would be part of it. But the other part is to be, again, behind them mocking, making fun. Now look at verse 8 of Galatians. It says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so what we plant, it's important. What's the point? Well, we know when you sow, it means to plant, and when you reap, you harvest what has been planted. So if you sow, if you plant watermelon seeds, when it comes time that these big green things shoot up out of the ground on the vine, you would eventually harvest them, pick them. They would become yours. And you plant in one season, right? You got to plant those watermelons at a certain point in time, and you harvest them at another time. So you sow in one season, and you reap in another season. And a lot of people think, wow, you know, today I sinned. God's going to get me. I really blew it today, so God's going to get me. And it may not be. You planted that. You might have to let that seed grow a little bit, and then you reap what you harvest in another season. And so we may think just that the consequence didn't happen faster at the moment or the hour or that day or that week that that sin took place, then maybe God didn't see or maybe God doesn't care anymore. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe he sent out a, a, a change of terms and you just didn't get the letter, but everything's going to be cool. But you'll reap in another season. And so maybe God is understanding your sin now. Maybe we think that. Oh, well, maybe he understands. He's kind of, he was, he, he, maybe he understands it like back then it was really harsh. And now he's softened up as he's grown in age. Does God really age? You know, he, he knows I'm not perfect. He, he knows I'm, I, I'm made out of flesh. I'm just some flesh and that's the way it is. God's grace is sufficient. We hear that a lot. God's grace is sufficient. And we say that, but be careful you just sinned, the consequences may come later. God's grace is sufficient. It's, he's gracious. But you may reap later in a different season. You don't plant your watermelons and, and pick them in the same season. It's a different season when, they, when that stuff grows. So you may not harvest that little sin for a couple of seasons, and God may not even act after a couple of seasons, but he warned you. Maybe he's warned you. He said, hey, enough. Stop it. Repent. See, repentance, a lot of people think, well, I repented. Why am I suffering? Well, repentance just means you turn from that sin. You, still, you might still reap the consequences of it. And we see Eli doesn't even, I mean, it's like he gets warned, and he doesn't even act. He doesn't really even move. He thinks all is cool. God's saying, I know your heart, and there's no going back. I know what you're going to do next. I've given you opportunity, but there's no going back. Turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and look at verse 13. We're going to go back there. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going back there and look at verse 13 this time. 1 Samuel 3 verse 13 says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and did not restrain them. What's it say there? 
For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. So he knew his sons were doing wrong. He was aware of it. This was not a surprise that his sons were sinning. Because his sons made themselves, his sons made themselves, they chose, they did it themselves, vile, and did not restrain them. His sons made themselves that way, and he chose not to restrain his children. He's saying, I told him about that stuff. I told him I was about to judge his house, implying a warning, but nothing was done when the warning came. And then the iniquity he knew, Eli knew it was wrong, did nothing. God warned him, and he still did nothing. He did more and nothing. And then look what brought the cause on his sons. Not God, but rather his sons. God didn't bring the cause on them. It's not God's fault, but rather his sons. What is this saying to you and I? What's this saying to you and me? I hope if you're doing stuff that God considers wrong, you stop. If God considers it wrong, it's wrong. It's not what I consider wrong, but what God considers wrong that we stop. Some people have planted acres of bad stuff, and the harvest isn't looking so good right now. There's acres and acres of it. Your investment is about to come to maturity for some of us that like to play with investments. What you invest in, it will mature either good or bad. If you make a good investment, it'll be good when it comes to maturity. If it's bad, well, you'll reap what you sow. See, God tells Eli, it's too late to fix this. I won't accept the sacrifice because you would only be doing it not because you're sorry, but because you got caught. Anybody have children that have ever done that? They find out what they're going to lose, and all of a sudden they're sorry for it. See, there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, and that's what the Bible teaches, that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Remember when Peter denied Christ three times? That would be godly sorrow. He denies God three times, and then godly sorrow comes. Judas, on the other hand, had worldly sorrow. He was sorry because he got caught, and his worldly sorrow led to his destruction. He committed suicide. See, some people never grow out of the sorrow for their sin. They say, sorry, please forgive me, over and over multiple times for the same thing. That's why we say when we're going to take communion today, if you've been asking forgiveness for the same sin last month and the month before that and the month before that, I seriously doubt that you're really getting real with God. And so we ask you not to do that and make a mockery of the communion. But if you're really repenting, True repentance means a turn, a 180. It's a U-turn. You're turning away from that thing, walking away from it to leave it behind. Oh, yeah, you'll struggle. You'll be tempted, but you're leaving it behind. You're not going back to touch it. You're not going back to pet it. You're not going back to visit it. Well, it's only for a few hours a week. I just want to see it. No, you're leaving it. You're cutting off that thing, that relationship, whatever it may be. You're destroying it. You're going to leave it alone. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. 
Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.